Hello and welcome to the Feminine Genius Podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. Thank you, as always, for tuning into this episode of the Feminine Genius Podcast. This week, I'm joined by a very inspirational lady, and I was so excited that I was able to share some of her time while I was in Toronto recently. You might be familiar with her lovely blog, The Good Soil, as well as her Easter devotional, Arise, which she worked on with many talented women from across Canada. But above all, Megan Turlin is a wife, a mother, and a missionary for Jesus. And in our conversation today, we talk about her own journey with Christ, her work as a missionary with Catholic Christian Outreach, and how she cultivates good soil for others around her. So I am so excited uh, that I'm here with Megan Turland. Thank you for finding us this very unique and <laughs> quiet space here. Yeah, do you want to tell everybody where we're recording? <laughs> we are recording in near a conference room in the in a Sheridan Hotel downtown Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> Which incidentally, like you were telling me, was the place where you went to for your first rise up. Yes. So that's Yeah, it was here in two thousand nine for CCO's Rise Up Conference and yeah, so it's bringing back a lot of memories. <laughs> that's, that's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I was wondering if you could start by introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about what you do now. So I'm a wife to Ben Turland. Um, I'm a mother of two little kids, Monica and Xavier. And I work as a part-time missionary with Catholic Christian Outreach in our training department. I live in Toronto. Just a little bit about me. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that we're going to dive a little more uh, in terms of your faith journey. I was wondering if you could share what that journey has been like and how you've gotten to be who you are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So faith was always really important in my family. My mom was Catholic and she had a very personal relationship with Jesus. So growing up, it was never unfamiliar to talk about Jesus as someone who I could trust to talk to, to lean on. And so, yeah, that was like a huge part of my my daily life to to pray. When I was went to university, though, I wasn't sure that I wanted to continue living out that, that kind of life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved away from home and my family, and I kind of did like the Catholic thing I'd go to mass sometimes on Sunday but I plunged really deep into the party culture on campus and I was actually invited to take a faith study with CCO anyways yeah I was taking the faith study sometimes I go to mass (laughs) but then on Saturday night my life definitely did not reflect that of a a Christian you would never know Mm -hmm. that I was living these kind of two two very different lives at one point, I realized that I couldn't live this dichotomy anymore, that mm-hmm. something had to change. And that's when I actually decided to abandon my faith completely. I stopped praying. I stopped going to church. I 
ghosted all the CCO missionaries. I, yeah, we'd ignore all their calls and, mm-hmm. and texts. And yeah, so that was in my second year of university. And it was really interesting. It was, I ended up breaking my ankle and I couldn't do any of the things that I normally would have done with my friends. I mm-hmm. couldn't go out to the bars. I couldn't party. I couldn't go to school. And it left me feeling really sorry for myself. I mm-hmm. was just really like depressed and lonely. I remember sitting in my, my bed and I watched like 10 hours of <laughs> aimless TV and I was just looking for something else to do. I was bored and yeah. and sad. And I went into my nightstand and I found the Bible that I had bought for the first faith study that I did with CCO and a journal that someone had given me. And so I decided to, you know, take a leap of faith and, and pray. And I still remember the very first thing I wrote in the journal. It was like a, a letter to God. And I said, mm-hmm. dear God, it's been a while. I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm mad at you. And that's how it started. And I just started to continue to write letters every day Mm. to God. And I pulled out the Bible and I started reading stories about Jesus and his Mm. life and his compassion. And it was in the midst of this that I was starting to kind of reconsider my faith. Uh, A CC missionary reached out and invited me to an event. And the first one I went to, I was like still unsure of my worthiness to Mm. to be there. I had fallen so far away and this Jesus that I was reading about, he was compassionate and loving, Mm -hmm. but could he accept me? And uh, there were students sharing their testimonies and people I really looked up to sharing how they were not perfect and they fall and they needed, they were in need of God's like mercy Mm -hmm. and grace. I was like, maybe there is hope for me. A couple weeks later, I was invited to another event where there was prayer and adoration and it was there that in this time of prayer there was a, a worship team and they were singing this song um, and the first line is chains be broken lives be healed eyes be opened christ is revealed mm. and i remember hearing those words and i was just captured by them like that's what i want i want that freedom yeah. i want to live my life for you lord but i just don't know how mm-hmm. and the next line in the song is i have decided I have resolved to wait upon the Lord. And it was like God was saying to me, mm-hmm. just decide, just choose, and I'll help you with the rest. And so I did. I said, like, Lord, I give you my life. I give you everything. And from that point on, it was it was definitely like a journey from there. But I can definitely look back and see that that moment was the, the life changer, like where my life mm-hmm. looked markedly different. Mm-hmm. Um, from that point forward in terms of my faith and my relationship with God. And I think what's so stunning too about just hearing your story and just having the privilege to hear so many other women's stories too is that mark of change. And also this feeling that like we were kind of discussing earlier how, especially as women, we have this sometimes trap that we fall into of feeling unworthy or mm-hmm. not enough. And how were you able to overcome that? I think hearing other people's stories and their testimonies of that they were enough and choosing to believe that and mm-hmm. accept that. And I think also just realizing what Christ had done for me, um, like meditating on the cross and his sacrifice. If you were the only person in the world, mm-hmm. Christ would have done that. If it was just for you, he would have, he would do it again, like just mm-hmm. for you. And I think like really taking that to heart and meditating on it and realizing, yes, like if the 
the Jesus and the God who is in the Gospels is, mm. is who he says he is, then yes, like he would do it just for me. And accepting that, that I think has been huge in mm. realizing my worth. Now you were touching on a little earlier in your introduction that you work for CCO, but you're also a wife and a mother. And of course, it's like, you know, from the story that you were just telling of your life, uh, coming to know Christ and that's kind of, I guess it's like what I would describe like different like levels of mm. our faith journey and whatnot. And now you've been able to grow in a vocation as a wife. And now you have two beautiful children. You have a beautiful family. Like, how have you seen your life like grow through these changing seasons of vocation? Oh man, so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, often I, I say to my husband, like, I chose the right vocation because I'm really growing and, like, stretching. Um, I think first as a wife, mm -hmm. I've really encountered God through my husband in really tangible ways. I mean, we were talking earlier about, like, our worth and, like, seeing how, like, he shows me every day that I'm worthy of love, mm -hmm. of unconditional love, seeing the amount of times I... I fail and make mistakes and, and hurt him. Mm -hmm. And yet he comes back and, and loves me. Like, is there something he's been doing recently mm -hmm. uh, is when we have like a, a big fight or whatever, or even just a little disagreement and we leave kind of on bad terms. Like he has mm -hmm. to go to work or I have to go somewhere. He'll send me a text saying, I love you more than how much I was annoyed with you earlier today or when, when I left. And it's just like a little reminder. It's like that I'm more than enough. Like even in those those moments where both of us are not at our best, like mm -hmm. his love is unconditional. So that's one way, like as a as a wife. And then as a mother, oh man, <laughs> I feel like I know so much more about the heart of God through how I love my children and how like my unconditional love for them. God loves me more than that. Like, I would mm -hmm. do anything for my children. I would suffer <laughs> anything for them, for, for their good. And God loves me, like, even more than that. I see the way that they don't do anything to deserve my love, yet I would give the world for them, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and in the same way, like, I don't need to do anything to deserve God's love. Like, it's just there because of who I am. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so that's, like, one of the biggest things that I've grown in since becoming a mother is accepting God's love and mercy, not because of anything I've done, but for mm -hmm. just by nature of who I am. Like, I love Monica and Xavier because they're they're mine. They can do, like, little things that... I delight in, but it doesn't change their worth or why I love them, you know? Right. And what that makes me think of, too, is as you're talking about that, especially as you're talking about your children, Monica and Xavier, um, it just brings to mind the image of, you know, Jesus, the good shepherd with the lamb around his shoulders. And it's so true, just the fact that we, especially as humans, like we do so many things that probably up in heaven, God is like, what are you even doing? <laughs> yeah. And still, like, he will delight in us and he yes. will bring us back. He tells us every day that we're worthy. It's just whether or not we are able to turn back to him mm -hmm. and really receive that love for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I know that 
a couple months ago or probably within the past year, you started a wonderful blog. Mm-hmm. It's called The Good Soil. And there have been plenty of people, I know that, like, you know, back in Vancouver, but I know within the CCO community, the Catholic community, a lot of people, especially women, have shared how much it's helped them. Mm. So I wanted to congratulate you (laughs) on that. And I wanted to know what the story was behind starting the blog and what prompted you to start The Good Soil. Yeah. 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 So it all started... um, Yes, oh man, four years ago now, just over four years ago, when Ben and I were on our honeymoon in Greece, I was reading a book by Fulton Sheen called Three to Get Married. And there's a whole chapter on motherhood, actually. And the way Fulton Sheen described motherhood was that mothers are the good soil in which the seed of youth develops. And that line just struck me to the heart. And he goes on to describe that there's different kinds of mothers. Mm-hmm. There's mothers like rocky ground there's mothers like the ground that is like covered in weeds you know <laughs> and there's mothers who are the good soil yes. so that's kind of where my reflection started and mm-hmm. uh, shortly after our honeymoon uh, we led a mission trip to Brazil and it was there that in a new way I experienced spiritual motherhood like leading students on that mission I saw how my reception of them, my leadership of them was creating environments mm. for them to to grow. Mm. I wasn't creating the growth, like God was doing the growing, mm. but I had a special role to play in creating a space for that growth to happen. And so through that, I was reflecting like, yeah, when I become like a mother in the physical sense, like I want to be that, mm-hmm. that good soil. So that's kind of where like it began in terms of like a reflection on that scripture in particular mm-hmm. and the analogy of being good soil. Yeah. So then a year and a half later, I became a mother in the biological sense and Monica came and that brought a whole new meaning. I saw how mm-hmm. my mood, the way I, I spoke to her, the way I held her, the environment that I created for her affected her and mm. her growth and it was just so so beautiful yeah so it was just like a continual conversation since that since my honeymoon mm. of what does it mean to be to be good soil for my children for my husband for my friends my family for those mm-hmm. around me how can I create and develop rich environments for others to flourish And especially as women, too, like, I feel like there's a lot of talk around sometimes this negative connotation of, like, women are, like, really catty and Mm. they pull each other down. But what I'm hearing from you that was inspired by Fulton Sheen, which I think is so beautiful, and I really thank you for sharing that with me just Mm. because it was something that I'd never really thought of. But Mm. it really is true, like, the, the way that we impact people through like you were saying, our words or our actions, our dispositions towards people, it can either cultivate good soil or the opposite of that, which <laughs> yeah. doesn't is not conducive to growth. Mm-hmm. And I think I was reflecting this morning before meeting you mm-hmm. on the feminine genius and women's particular gift in being good soil for others. We have a, a special way that we are, like we receive others, like our receptivity, which brings people in right it's like I'm just thinking of the imagery of the the soil like like a soft landing place mm. for for others and 
I think JP2 also says like another quality of feminine genius is our sensitivity. We're sensitive to the needs of those around us and what they need to grow and what's lacking. The other aspect is, is the generosity. And so because we know the need, we can respond generously. And right. then you think about like the soil analogy again, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, like only if we're sensitive and receptive to others can we know if like, oh, the, the ground is really dry need some water or there's some weeds in the way like let's pull those out Mm -hmm. give them some space you know and then as women we have this special gift to be to be generous and to with our time and our talents think in a very particular way women are able to be if we if we exercise our feminine genius Mm -hmm. um to to be that good soil for, for other people with the good soil this past Easter season, you had written Arise. I know that it was a project that was a passion project of yours, but also the culmination of work from women across the country. So what inspired you to take on this project and write this devotional? Yeah, Yeah. it was very divinely inspired. A couple Mm -hmm. years ago, I had a spiritual director who really challenged me to think more about the Easter season. Mm -hmm. And it was Nearing the end of Lent, Easter was approaching when we were having this conversation and he said to me, so what are your plans for Easter? And my initial reaction was like, I don't know, dinner with my family. Like He's like, no, like, what are your plans to live out Easter? And he asked in a way that most people would ask, like, what are your plans for Lent? Like, Mm. he was looking for specifics, like, how are you going to live this liturgical season with intention? Right. And I never thought about that before. And he was saying... There's 50 days. That's 10 more days than Lent. Like mm-hmm. the church is telling us something. God mm-hmm. is telling us something about its significance and its importance. And he really challenged me. He's like, you've spent 40 days preparing for this feast. Now we have 50 days of celebration. How are you going to celebrate? Well, for a couple of years, I tried, um, had a really hard time living, living it out. I would do little things like I would always have flowers in my house like to remind me of the of the resurrection. I tried to like read acts throughout mm-hmm. the season. But I wasn't satisfied with how I was living it out and so when talking to others I realized not many people actually live out Easter intentionally. So that's mm-hmm. kind of where the idea came from. I was like what if I like wrote reflections for people to live out that season and to meditate on the most essential aspect of our faith. Yeah. You know, it, I think I can't remember the book, but St. Paul says like, if Christ did not rise from the dead, our faith is in vain. There's no point. So I wanted to give others an opportunity and myself. It was like a good exercise for myself to really meditate on the hope of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Once I saw that it had come out on social media. Like I'd been following your blog for quite some time and I saw the announcement. And like you were saying too, it it occurred to me that it's like, well, I've done Advent devotionals. I've done Lenten devotionals, but I'd never done anything, you know, for Easter. And like you mentioned just now, and I think you also write in the book too, that given the length of Easter, there really should be something important about it. And there is. And we really should be taking extra care to look at it. Mm. My favorite thing about it is that it surrounds one of my favorite verses as well, which is from the Gospel of Mark. That's where the name Arise comes from. Yeah. I was wondering what your personal relationship to the verse is. Yeah. So a couple things. Actually, the uh, mm-hmm. 
I didn't think about this until till just now, but the the missionary who really journeyed with me through my time coming back to the faith that I was sharing earlier. Mm-hmm. Her name was Talita, and she was named after no way. <laughs> um, in the passage when Jesus says Talita Kum mm-hmm. in, in Hebrew, that's little girl. I say to you, arise. So that verse always there was something about it that like spoke to me just through her her witness. But then my daughter has this children's Bible. And as the idea was developing for this Easter devotional, she was captivated by the story and still is. She just asked me to read um, the story to her yesterday. Um, she's like, the little girl, the little girl. She doesn't want to read any other story in the Bible. She just is so, I think she sees herself in this little girl, you know, and mm-hmm. is just totally captivated by it. I spent a lot of time re- reflecting on the story mm-hmm. and it was really interesting. Like everything developed really, really fast. So it was actually on Ash Wednesday. My daughter had had a scrape on her knee and she had a Band-Aid on it. And it was it was actually like you couldn't even see anything. It was <laughs> really small. But uh, we were in Mass on Ash Wednesday and I was there alone with the kids and there was no other kids. It was in the church. Um, it was very quiet. So there was like during the offertory, there wasn't even any music. It was just silence. And mm-hmm. my daughter took the Band-Aid off and noticed there was nothing there. And she just yelled to the top of her lungs. She's like, Jesus healed me. <laughs> he healed me. <laughs> That's so beautiful. And I remember just being so struck by the, the childlike faith that she had. Mm-hmm. She was confident that Jesus had healed her. It, it touched me because I was like, do I have that same confidence that Jesus can heal me, that he is calling me to arise? Do I believe he's, he's saying that to me and that he can work a miracle in my life? And am I, am I going to respond? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, just before we, we started this recording, you were sharing a couple stories of your daughter. And she just sounds like a, a wonderful young lady. I would love to meet her someday. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um. I think just to, to tie this all together, um, just through being a writer and all of the different mm-hmm. roles that you have in your life. And uh, I love that we were talking about the feminine genius earlier for your own personal feminine genius. Yeah. What is your reflection on how you've seen yourself grow in that? I think first and foremost, I used to tie a lot of my femininity to what I did and yeah, getting caught up in in doing all the right things and and what does it mean to be a mother and what does it mean to be a wife and daughter and how can I do it and do it really well and then over the past couple of years I realized more and more it, it's not about what we do but who we are and who God has created us to be and I found a lot of freedom in that just recently like I, since starting this this blog and mm-hmm being back to work after my last maternity leave, like there's been a lot of opportunities for me to do a lot of things and it can be easy for me to get caught up in, in the doing is like who I am in doing those things. But I like let God love me as a daughter and who he created me to be and like let my actions overflow from that, that I feel like I really live out the feminine genius in a more authentic way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Megan. You're really welcome. appreciate it. The yeah. pleasure.
Many thanks again to Megan Turlin for sharing some of her time with me. I highly recommend that you check out The Good Soil and give it a follow. You can find her blog at thegoodsoil.ca and you can also follow her on Instagram at underscore thegoodsoil. I've left links to those in the show notes. If you like what you're hearing, I would love it if you shared this podcast with a friend and subscribed. You can listen to and download this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also find us on social media at FemGeniusPod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time and God bless always.